Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode number 328. We're recording on December 3rd, 2014. I am Alan Malventano. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrus. I'm Sebastian Peek. And in case you didn't notice, there is no Ryan Shrout because he is hidden somewhere on the West Coast playing Where's Waldo. I don't know. He's checking something out that we'll probably report on at some point in the future. And that's probably all we can say. Uh, so, for all of you guys, there are a couple of links to put out here on the podcast first. First of all, you can find all these podcasts at uh, pcpro.com slash podcast. Uh, you can follow Ryan's Twitter feed or the PC Per Twitter feed at Ryan Shrout and at PC Per respectively. Uh, and we have a list that you can join so that Ken or Ryan or whoever can get to the keyboard here at the office can send out emails, non-spammy type. Where is that thing? There it is. I'm, I'm checking it twice, so. Yes, check it twice. Ken is Santa Claus for all of you guys. Yeah, and you're the only one on the good list this night. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so basically, we have a mailing list just to let all of you guys know when we're doing either a live stream of some other, other than a podcast sort, or this po- very podcast right here. Uh, put your name in, put your email in, hit submit. We promise not to spam you. It's basically just to let you know when we're about to do something on the live stream here. Now, let's get into the week in review. First up, who did this one? Oh, look, Sebastian, the guy that we have on the podcast tonight. The guy who didn't throw it around the room with a GoPro attached. Yeah, that. Uh, In-wind, D-frame, mini aluminum, and glass, mini ITX case review. Take it away, Sebastian. Yeah, but Sebastian, Sebastian is, is biased. He's so biased about he this is. case. He is. You yes. know, yeah. And in my defense, I did uh, offer to send this to Kentucky to have some experiments done on it and attach a GoPro to it, but it didn't happen. Obviously a wise man not doing it yourself. Yeah, I'm not going to risk that. This case, it's I called it wildly expensive. It's kind of a crazy-looking open-air case. It's all aluminum. Every bit of metal on it is aluminum and it has those big bumpers on it. So it looks like it could withstand a lot except for the glass sides, which would probably shatter. But it's it's kind of a combination open-air and a little bit of test bench and there's really no specific way to orient it. You can set it up. You see the, the handle built into the top there. But you can set it up pretty much any way you like, and the power supply is mounted externally. Kind of scrolling through here, if you look like from the front, you're looking straight in. That's how the case will be when it's built. So a little bit of flexibility with the design. You've got the option of adding a wider radiator, like a 240, and it only supports many ITX boards. So you're limited, of course, to one graphics card. That's all it gives you space for. It's a bigger design. It's the size of a micro ATX case, essentially, but it's because it's so like compartmentalized with the way they built it. Everything has its own section, essentially. So Crazy you could sort of pick man. if you wanted your power supply on the top or the bottom, just flip it over. Yeah, I don't really know why you'd want it on the bottom because then all of the cable mess coming out the bottom of it would be right on top where you could see it. Because it's also at the top, to. that way it could face downwards. 
You see these shelves here. There are shelves on the uh, right-hand side, if you're looking at the picture here. Each of those comes out. Everything's a uh, thumb screw. It's like a capture screw, so it's kind of nice. They're all spring-loaded. There's just a ridiculous level of fit and finish to the case. And even that back plate that's in so many of those pictures, that aluminum back plate is a few millimeters thick, and it's just solid aluminum for whatever reason, just to make it, uh, I guess, heavy enough not to flex. So is this, you have it, it looks like you have it oriented so that the handle, the carry handle is up and then the ports are all facing up? Yeah, it's that inverted motherboard design, like the uh, the Silverstone, the old Raven, Raven series. Cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like pretty the cool. Gen TJ080. So it's everything rises up if you just leave it in its default configuration, um, which was a little interesting. Um, I noticed even after a couple of days of use that I had quite a bit of dust kind of on the top components, like in the with the way it faces your. CPU fan and your IO is all facing the sky, so with nothing above that, it it can get a little dusty. If you have a, if you have pets, yeah, or small children, yeah, not or not both. the case for pets or small children, because uh, once it's built, you know you've only got like two three inches before you're into fan blades with the fingertips. So, I don't yeah, know. so you'll yeah, never but... fit the child or the pet in there too. Wait, yeah, well, you know, it builds problem. character. And removes fingertips. I mean, you could probably do the build if you, if you added some fan grills to... You'd have to add them to everything, obviously, but, you know. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd want my kids or pets sticking fingers and paws in there, though. No. And things. It's, it looks a lot heavier than it actually is. Like, when I took it out of the case, it's or out of the box, it's... I don't remember what I have as the the specs on it, but it's only it's like ten pounds. It's just hollow aluminum tubes, so yep. it's it's surprisingly portable, even though it's it's a little bit bigger. But it's three hundred and fifty bucks, so yeah. you're definitely paying for the really like skillful TIG welding they did on the aluminum. It's like a bike frame, and I'm not really sure who this is geared towards unless it's just kind of like cost no object mini itx gaming i think you should roll it down some hills <laughs> i think if we just take the glass panels off the sides just just throw it as hard as you can i mean it's light enough it could get some air we'll see just bounce it off some curbs throw it at cars how about we drag it behind alan's gti how about that there we go yeah with the yeah. gopro attached oh yeah with the gopro yeah We've got a few GoPros around here. We can just oh, yeah. get them all together. Yeah, that's $350 well spent. Absolutely. Oh, hell yeah. The GoPro, GoPro. The GoPro will be very well protected, you know, facing inward inside that, that cage. It'd be great. Well, well, you'd have to use multiple GoPros. You want to get every angle. You want to get outside. You want to get an inside view of what's happening in the case. Yeah. We'd have to hook up a battery pack to it so it, the computer could be running the whole time. Right. So you can see, like, the fan spinning. Right, oh, exactly. I see space in there for it. Yeah. yeah nice brain battery in the bottom. Won't add anything to the weight at all. No. The Alice's. one thought I had when you first showed it to me, though, I was wondering if they would have made a more expensive model because this would be a bit of a pain to do, but pre-drilled holes in the tubes with uh, cable pull in it. 
<laughs> you could sort of do something really neat with that. You could. You really could, yeah. It's They're all hollow tubes, and that would make it even more like a bike. It would be like one of those designs with uh, exactly. invisible brake cables. Pretty cool. Which are fun to replace. Yeah, so, yeah, it's fun. It's affordable. Buy one today. <laughs> with our affiliate link. Yes, absolutely. Buy three. All right, so next up for bit is uh, the PC Perspective 2014 Holiday Gift Guide. Awesome. Who's on the first page? Actually, who is on the first page? Well, I think we could just kind of quickly go over it and say, you know, everybody uh, on the uh, the podcast and, and in the site uh, gave a couple of uh, holiday gift shopping uh, picks. They range from cases to video cards to SSDs. Uh, I think, what, there's, what, six people, three picks apiece. I don't think we really need to go through 18 plus a couple extra that uh, Ryan threw in. But uh, there is a nice selection of products that uh, we approve of, that we enjoy, and we have often used by ourselves. Hey, look at that carbon fiber wallet. Yeah, buddy. Oh, apparently Jeremy has so now made that famous in Vancouver. Oh, that's going to come in again later. Right there, oh. that one. What is, oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. It's the skull. So, yeah, you, you want to go and take a look at that. Uh, check it out. See what we like. Buy and one obviously, of everything. Yes, buy one of everything, especially the ones with Amazon. Links. Links yeah. to them. Yeah, Ryan needs money. Well, maybe I just need money. We Moving are. along. Next up, Sebastian's up again with the uh, Fractal Design Define R5 Silent Mid-Tower Enclosure. So what is... Wow, this one's totally different. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of your... I wouldn't call it boring. It's just kind of understated. Fractal doesn't do a lot of really flashy designs. The last couple of reviews I had were their core series cases, so they are very kind of bare bones. So this is kind of like 2001's Monolith edition, yeah. except in gray. Yeah. Mac. It has, has kind of a nice uh, brushed finish on the front. It's a plastic door, but um, the door actually can be mounted, so it uh, opens from either side. It has like a switchable hinge, but... It looks it looks pretty nice. It's still pretty plain on the outside. It comes with hydraulic bearing fans, which are very quiet. They're using their own design for the fan blades and everything inside of this case, even on their core series cases and especially on this one, is all about sound dampening. Everywhere metal touches metal, essentially, there's some kind of a like a rubber grommet or a washer or something. And they, they did a really good job damping everywhere on the case, the insides of the doors, um, the inside of the front door. And then actually up above on this case, I think if at the bottom of this page, uh, the I have like a before and after shot, the second to last one here, where you can see that even the front or the top fans, the fan covers themselves, are three separate panels. Each of those panels has the same sound isolating uh, material at the front door and the side panels do. So if you're not using the top fans for like a, you know, up to a 360 degree or a 360 millimeter radiator, you can completely damp the sounds out of the top and 
it it really didn't. Uh, I didn't use the top mouse because I wanted to keep it as quiet as possible. And it did not affect the cooling performance really at all. Is this one of those where it's uh, like a kind of a big difference when you actually close the front? It actually gets quieter, right? It it wasn't that significant, but it does go down about a decibel or two. The fans are really quiet, and they only spin at a thousand RPM, even without a fan controller. So it it wasn't that noticeable. It but the the case uh, at idle with the front door closed was just under one decibel over ambient. So in wow. this room, which is about thirty four decibels, I was only getting thirty five on my uh, meter. Huh. Yeah, that's definitely was, a quiet case. Yeah, it was. It's the quietest one I've tested so far, and. I don't know. If you look on the second page, uh, it's it's very roomy on the inside. The way that it's laid out is completely modular, so you can take out any of the uh, drive bays or in two like uh, modules, and so is the optical bays. So they can just they just come out with thumb screws. You just pull them out, slide the section out, and you have this huge space to work in. And the motherboard tray area is kind of recessed, and it's pretty big, so. It's a very roomy case. It's big. It takes up a lot of a lot of space on my desk, but it's it's very easy to build into. This yeah. really reminds me of the when Antec used to make good cases. Yep. Like the P one eighty and they did a like micro ATX version of that. This yeah. reminds me a lot of that case with the, with the deadening on all the panels and it seems pretty awesome. Yep. And the fan placement seems pretty good, you know, hot air out the out the rear. <laughs> I just had to get Josh warmed up there. Yeah, good job on that. Yeah, yeah. There's all the actually. There's all the modules removed. Hmm. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Hmm. Definitely makes uh, installing all the drives and everything pretty easy. I would imagine. Oh yeah, yeah. Those are all metal trays that just slide right out. They're toolless. They're held in kind of by uh, friction. Yep, and actually, uh, one kind of pet peeve of mine about cases is when they get almost up to eight drives like with the number of bays that you have like some cases will have seven or six and it just drives me crazy because if you're going to put that many drives in a case you're probably going to do some form of a raid which means you're going to buy like the smallest raid card you can get for a kind of sort of you know medium number of drives i guess you'd call it which is an eight port and then you end up with like you don't have two drive slots or one more that one last drive slot to actually use all of the capacity of the raid card that you just bought. Who's uh, who's a uh, medium number of drives is eight drives, Alan? That's sorry, really? that's m- me. <laughs> Come on, that's, um, no I'm, one else would do this. I'm a bit crazy, and he's stretching the truth because that's actually the low end of his drive. I didn't want to say low end because there's guys that you know just a pair of drives SSD raid for an OS or something. That's the low end kind of sort of yeah. But really, I mean, if I, a case if a case has six. And you intended to fill them all, you're wasting a couple of ports on, you know, they don't make six port RAID cards, basically. Um, yeah, but your motherboard probably has six connectors. Motherboard has six connectors, <laughs> but who puts six three and a half inch Who's hard drives on motherboard? Who's using software RAID with six drives? Come on. Kid. Yeah, no. It's... Who's raiding six platters of spinning rods? That was uh, Colleen. You're staring at Colleen <laughs> used to do the Death Wish raid on the motherboard controller, yeah. like raid zero of like spinning rust, yeah. All right, cool. Um, so how did the price look on this one compared to uh, the previous one? Uh, much lower, uh, one-third of the cost. Wow. Uh, the, the version without a window, their full MSRP on it's 109 
and with the Windows only ten bucks more, so you can get it for like one twenty. But it's for the money. I was I was impressed because that's kind of what I consider like the bottom end of a more premium case market when you're up into that hundred hundred and fifty dollar range. Yeah, and it's it's a really well made case with uh, included fans that are are really quiet. I would put these right up with Noctua fans for the for what you get. It's kind of like a I'd say about a twenty twenty five dollar value per fan. And I want to say this one came with three of them, two in front and one in the back. So I think the price is really good. Pretty cool. All right, so. Yeah, I really do like those kind of understated designs on cases, though. Like the get the feeling of the monolith from uh, Space Odyssey. Just this little tower sitting there. Like if I had to have a full size case sitting like next to an entertainment center or something like that, and not like inside, as if it was a unit of the uh, entertainment center, I'd just have it little all black case sitting. Yeah, but if I if I have one of those, my kids would come in with femur bones and start jumping around and screaming, and only with their femur bones. What? Only with their femur bones? No, with with femur bones in their hands. That's what they do. Do they say bam bam? Do, do, do you do you, have you never watched two thousand one A Space Odyssey? That's true. Yes, but now you're saying your kids are monkeys. <sighs> Aren't all children monkeys? Well, I, I, you might be right there, actually. <laughs> anyway, right. uh, so next up is uh, us proceeding to try to do some kind of really crazy testing on ROG Swift. Um, and some other G-Sync displays as as well. Um, so I, in my quest, if any of, has, of you have followed my quest to purchase an ROG Swift myself, since I didn't want to just steal the one from the office and put it on my desk at home, because uh, that would have been kind of poor taste, uh, I wanted to get one. So I kept kind of scoping sites out, and uh, I think it was a couple weeks back, my uh, pick of the week was that site that helps you find the stuff when it does come in stock. And I was uh, using that and pulled the trigger and ordered not one but two because I pulled a Ryan because that's the kind of thing he would do. Um, got them, uh, hooked it up, and uh, a, a buddy of mine did the same exact thing, same time as me, also ordered two uh, for he and his wife. And uh, before I even got to actually sit down and spend some time on mine, uh, he sends me some messages saying, hey, man, do you, does this thing flicker for you? And that seemed kind of weird that like he and his wife like right off the bat noticed uh, flickering, and they mainly play a bunch of MMO type games. Um, seems kind of weird, so I came into the office with some Radio Shack devices that I had purchased to uh, tape to the front of our G-Sync panels here and try to do some testing and see if we can recreate this kind of flickering, um, which I noticed as well as soon as I actually sat down with mine and and played any kind of game that does what I'm what I'm calling just like a stall. So in other words. Uh, you have any kind of a game, it's doing a loading screen, or maybe it dynamically loads game content. Um, and if you had a regular display, the worst that would happen is the scene might just freeze temporarily. You know, you might have a couple of uh, what would look like just dropped frames on video, uh, so people might not really notice it that much. Um, if it's a static loading screen, you wouldn't normally have seen it, because uh, nothing is moving on that screen. But in the case of G-Sync panels... When the uh, game does that kind of a stall, it actually has an artifact or an effect or whatever it is you'd like to call it that is actually visible. Um, and depending on how sensitive you are to it, 
it might kind of smack you in the face. It depends exactly on like what kind of game and what frame rate it's running at before that stall happens, like before and after. Uh, there's a lot of variables that affect it, but uh, we have a picture here in the piece that I wrote up that's pretty much the worst case. Um, and just to kind of talk through the picture here, there is a section at the left side where you are actually seeing what looks like a ripple, if you're kind of a techie electronics guy. And what this graph is plotting is the brightness of a small section of the display. Okay, so we had some gear hooked up in the office here, and we were measuring in brightness coming off of the panel while we had a scene in the game actually being shown on the panel, right? And these very small and close-together ripples, actually I could zoom this in a little bit, these very small close-together ripples on the left here is actually 144 hertz refresh. So the reason that there is a ripple is not because the backlight is necessarily changing, because our RG Swifts actually have very good backlights. They're current regulated, and it's basically just a perfect, pure you know, brightness. That brightness never changes. Uh, but what the apparent brightness change is, is that between refreshes, the very fast-responding pixels of a panel like an ROG Swift actually bleed back to white during the pause between the uh, screen refresh. So in other words, the screen is refreshing and being drawn from top to bottom. There's a period of time where some of those pixels are basically just waiting to be refreshed again, and they start going white. Uh, you just don't normally notice this because it happens so fast, right? Um, some people might be asking, well, wait, I had like 60 hertz panels in the past that you... I would have seen it on that, surely. No, because those pixels were not designed to be super low latency. Uh, so that panel would have just had more of a persistence to it. And those pixels would take longer to bleed to white. So this is really just kind of a the law of physics kind of thing, right? If you're going to engineer something to respond faster, it's going to also respond faster when it's not being refreshed and kind of go back to its natural state. Um, so going back to this picture here, uh, what you see here, this spike up and then it kind of goes back to 144 and then another spike up is the effect of this particular game completely stalling the graphics driver in other words the game just like stops giving the the driver and the gpu anything to go on so the end result with g-sync enabled is that nothing goes to the panel for that period of time right there's no frames to update the panel um so the spikes that you see here that are very much more spread out than what's on the left side is actually 30 hertz refresh. And that is a forced refresh that the G-Sync module just does on its own uh, in the absence of anything else to go on, right? So, uh, and as you can tell just by looking overall at this graph, let me go back to the zoomed out version, uh, since this is intensity, light intensity over time, you might actually notice something like that if you're kind of sensitive to changes in brightness uh, of a display. Um, so you'll notice, you know, at 144, the intensity on average is much lower than when it drops down to 30 hertz refresh, and then you notice it kind of pretty quickly drops back down to a lower intensity once you get back to 144. Um, and what we noticed in, in generally in these panels is that the lower the refresh rate was, and by refresh I mean the screen refresh, um, not the rate, not necessarily the rate that the game's outputting, um, at lower values, that of that change between uh, the change in intensity between your when you're stuck at that force refresh and when you're doing the normal refreshing uh, is much less. So basically, the higher you're refreshing, the bigger the effect, 
right? And if you were at in in playing some uh, MMO, for example, most MMOs, I would say probably most MMOs, not necessarily taxing on something like a GTX 980, if you happen to have that in your system, uh, chances are you're riding that cap, that very high-end cap, and then uh, when the game does some kind of background loading, it really is a very big change going from 144 to 30 and then back to 144. So there was a statement from NVIDIA that we got. We were actually working with back and forth with NVIDIA all during uh, during the research and uh, kind of uh, probing around for this piece. Um, and here is a NVIDIA statement. All LCD pixel values relax after refreshing. As a result, the brightness value that is set during a LCD scanline update slowly relaxes until the next refresh. This means all LCDs have some slight variation in brightness. In this case, lower frequency refreshes will appear slightly brighter than higher frequency refreshes by 1% or 2%. And actually, that 1% or 2% is about the amount that we saw. Um, when games are running normally, i.e. not waiting on a load screen or a screen capture, users will never see this slight variation in brightness value. In the rare cases where frame rates can plummet to very low levels, there's very slight brightness variation, which is barely perceptible to the human eye, which disappears when normal operation resumes. So that's their quote. Um, and I will say that uh, Ryan, when he initially tested all of these G-Sync panels and he ran the typical games that we run for uh, GPU testing and, and whatnot, those games actually, it's really hard to see that kind of a flicker. Um, especially uh, if the game just dips down slowly to a very low refresh rate, even refresh rates lower than 30, uh, the G-Sync panels don't do this. It is just, if it has a some rate of frames coming in, uh, even down to a couple of frames per second, it's not going to go into such a, you know, smack you in the face uh, case like this. You just won't notice it. Uh, we actually had all the same gear hooked up in games like Assassin's Creed or um, a couple other ones where Ryan just cranked up everything. We found our slowest, oldest GPU that can handle G-Sync monitor, uh, plugged it into a system, and then cranked everything on, like, the most torturous games we could come across. And we can get the frame rate all the way down to one. Uh, and there was no flicker. It's only when there's a complete stall in this kind of a case. So uh, in our experience, that tends to happen a little more often in MMOs. Actually, the commenters uh, for this article were saying the same kind of thing. A lot of people were saying what games they saw it happen in. It was an MMO-type game where you were going from a really high frame rate to a really low frame rate. Um, a couple other places we saw it. Uh, Ryan saw it in uh, the load screen for Portal, which is a kind of a quasi dynamic loading thing, right? You can st- you still have control within the game. It's like when you're in the elevator going to the next level, that sort of thing. Uh, and it actually goes... the ga- That game actually goes a few levels in before it does that first actual load during one of those transitions. And we were able to see it immediately on that. But for me, now that I've researched this, like this is normally the kind of thing I'm, I'm really picky on displays doing anything out of the ordinary. But now that I've researched it and I know what it is, it actually doesn't bother me at all anymore because i just know that all right well the game's loading something now the screen might just look a little bit brighter while it's doing that um and wait a few more years and your eyes won't even be able to tell yeah probably i don't know i hope my eyes stay good for uh, at least a few more years before they go to crap but um uh, so the the basically the primary reason we wrote this up was just so that um there was something for people to point to Right, because I I didn't see anything else out there. Nobody really doing any kind of actual analysis. There were forum posts about people that were saying, "Hey, I saw flickering in this, and I didn't see it in that, and I changed some setting, and then it went away." But 
it was really in reality it was probably just they were it was bordering on perception in the first place right and then they changed something but the thing they changed really wouldn't have had an effect on it and so it was probably still there they just i don't know kind of a psychology thing i guess or a perception thing whatever you want to call it but at least now there's something there and we actually have a researched and kind of sort of developed a way of testing this so that when FreeSync finally comes along, we can test that too and see how that handles lower refresh rates and uh, if a game happens to stall and that sort of thing. So, or if they could feed their pixels volume so they'd relax better? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's what we need here. But, I mean, that's what we're looking at, so... Yep. I did, I did find it interesting because uh, we did look at some other panels, like non-G-Sync panels or G-Sync panels just running at a fixed refresh rate, and I found it surprising that they actually do do that. There is a continuous flicker going on. It's just too fast for you to perceive, right? Um, and we even, uh, in doing some other testing, like uh, typical uh, 60 hertz LCDs, uh, newer ones actually are like redrawing to the screen at 120. Uh, it's just the only reason that they couldn't be 120 hertz panels is because the interface, it just that circuitry can't handle anything higher than 60. Um, so that's, uh, refreshing faster is actually what gives you, you know, less ghosting and other things are, are, you know, much better on the panel. So that's why, uh, my theory on why all of a sudden now that this, uh, you know, newer display port interface standards were out and now that you can actually pump more bandwidth, uh, into the panel, uh, I think that's why all of a sudden all the panels are just going 120 Hertz, 144 Hertz, um, you know, pretty quickly. It's because the panel technology was kind of sort of already there, right? Um, conversation I had with Ken the other day was that, like, uh, you know, big screen televisions, they natively go 120, most of them. Um, and some of them go even higher than that, right? When they do that really smooth motion effect that they can do. The uh, 240 due to the backlight flashing thing that they do. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah. That, all that stuff. Um, it's just that the panels themselves, even very large <clears> panels... <throat> have natively been able to do this for a while. We just needed a better interface. So there you have it. Uh, Hopefully there's some pictures now for people to point to instead of just trying to describe, uh, you know, using I think I see flicker words uh, and stuff like that. And there might actually be follow-ons to this. Just, you know, we'll probably do some more testing and see how different panels respond. And I I imagine we'll have uh, another piece written up uh, somewhere down the road about this kind of topic. Any comments on this guy from anybody? Josh? Terrible work. Oh. Hated it. Awesome. I read it three times. It's awful. <laughs> so you were the three reads. Yes. I see. <laughs> I even watched the video if you embedded one. There wasn't one. That goes to show Damn. you. Yeah. Now you know he wasn't reading. Now I know. I know he didn't read it. You know what yeah, this really tells us? It tells us that... that gra- Graphical interfaces, what we have with whether they're CRTs, LCDs, there's got to be better ways to be doing this. There actually is. But, it's, it's OLED. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, because they're they're emitting their but own light. what and, price? Yeah. yeah, I mean, OLED is be very pricey, but... I'm like, not holding my breath. Yeah, and I'm not holding my breath either. Um, I'm especially not holding my breath for very uh, fast refresh rate OLED. Because um, now you're just really asking for it, right? But um, OLED, those pixels, I'm, I'm pretty sure on this, they, they they maintain exactly whatever persistence you instruct them to maintain. 
and they just hold it. Um, so you could, in theory, refresh an OLED display at one FPS, like one refresh per second, yeah. and you know it would or be just fine. Or the poorly named uh, quantum dots that they're thinking about using for the next generation of panels; those should be able to change wavelength almost instantaneously. Yep, and they should hold it. I think. Yeah. It all depends on if there is an individual circuit attached to each pixel, or I should say each subpixel. Yeah. Just to, to freeze that value in. It's almost well, like a display. That's the same thing with uh, the, the, you know current LCDs, except you've got the liquid crystal that once you remove the charge or it's not refreshed, it just slowly goes back to its natural position. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. If you've ever uh, changed a watch battery in an old LCD watch, and looked at the face of it after you pulled the battery out. Like you can actually see whatever segments were lit up. They slowly fade out to nothing. Oh, melting. Melting. That's that's exactly what these panels are doing. But they do it yep. much faster because they're those pixels are supposed to be much faster responding than the segments in an in a watch. Right. You can actually watch those things come in and out. They're such slow response time. Well, yeah, and partly that's also because the same thing with CRTs with uh, the phosphor persistence. Uh, you had the bigger, fatter phosphors in the large TVs that were still only doing 640 by 480 at max, and the persistence was really long. And so you would interleave, you know, at, at 30 hertz, well, 60 hertz, but 30 hertz, interleave, whatever. And uh, you wouldn't notice flashing, but you get a, uh, a computer CRT monitor that has much finer, finer phosphors that do not persist nearly as long until you get the nice flashing and and i think a lot of the same thing is with current lcds and and how you know they 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 twist and uh you know either cover up or or let go of the light so it's kind of interesting that that we have a lot of the same mechanisms even though the physics behind phosphors and and uh liquid crystal displays are, are totally different but the effect is very similar yeah yeah, ends up being very similar. Except instead of going out, fading out to black, they actually... They get really and, bright! Yeah, all you see is the backlight. It's <laughs> actually what you're seeing. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, that's another little known fact, right? If you look at a black screen on an LCD, the, the panel is actually consuming more power because it has to turn on everything yeah. to block out the backlight. Mm -hmm. uh, next up, MSI GeForce GTX 974 gigabyte, which is actually this card right here. This you thing, suck. this thing is really, really quiet. Like I was listening when Ryan was testing this thing, and it was hard to even tell that there was a card on because it just has really, really huge fans and awesome, awesome heat pipes. Super pipes. Super. Uh, Do they call them that on this? I don't know. No, they've got a new name. They're the S-shaped ones, aren't they? Um. Super. What do they call them? They are kind what of. What do you think the they are S kind of oddly stands shaped. for? They look. Kind of like they're borrowing some of the tech from like laptops, where uh, the pipe gets really, really narrow as it goes through the. They try to get them as close to the GPU and the heat-producing components as possible. Well, yeah, they, they compress those and flatten them out, so you get the largest amount of uh, <clears throat> surface area compressed to the GPU. But I think those are eight millimeter heat pipes. I think that only ASUS right now has the mega pipe, the ten millimeter, which <laughs> is kind of problematic in 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 production. Uh, so. It doesn't always fit in. <laughs> Does yeah, not. Eight, eight's oh, a lot please. more manageable than ten. It certainly. Hey, Sebastian learned how his microphone worked. Yes, I did. Oh. With help from the chat. Say, room. say awesome. thank you to our good friend, yeah. 
Um, Ven Stone. Ven. And tell them you're not running Linux either. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm on... I'm not on Linux. So let's... <laughs> I've, got, I've got OS ten and Windows 8.1 in front of me right now. He's one of those guys who got everything running all at the same time. Yeah. Uh, all right, so what do we have here? Uh, 8-pin power connector, 6-pin power connector. It's kind of an odd mix, but... There you go. Actually, is that the standard for the 980s? Yeah. No, it's two sixes. Oh, is it? Wait, no, no. For the 980? That's a 970. 970. Wait, this is, yeah. That's a 970. This is a 970, though. So, yeah. With the power delivery of a 980. Yes. Interesting. Probably because there's a lot more cooling there. It's overclocked. There goes Ken checking the The 980 is two six pins, so it's it's extra power. Yeah, so this is a 970 drawing potentially more power than even a 980, a a stock 980. Uh, let's see, what else can we look at here? Okay, so, uh, that seems to be... Wait a minute. Yeah, they went back to the old... Why did they do this? They went back to the old dual DVI... Oh, this is... Yep. This is bad for G-Sync people that want more than one G-Sync. Yeah. So this is not a card I would get for for my system at home, because that wouldn't work. I don't want to be able to plug one. You have three G-Syncs? I have two. I bought two. Oh, two. I haven't. So that way, when you play a first-person shooter, your crosshair is right in the bezel. No, no, no. Well, Look at the size of that it's, it's crosshair. It's the perfect excuse for missing, Josh. Actually, yeah. I wouldn't. I'm I'm one of those guys that I have like the the main panel is in the front, right, and then I just have the more stuff over here. Oh, off there. The yeah, side. but you need that in G Sync, huh? So it's kind of uh, the old supreme. I don't. I don't thing, need it in G Sync. a map. I, I don't need the Ken's laughing at me because I have my more stuff is also on a G Sync panel, but um. You know, it's it, they gotta be the same. You could be playing Eve over here and Battlefield over here. I'm I'm OCD, man. They both gotta be the same. They just have to be. All right. So let's see. How did this card fare? I will go right to the overclocking. Pretty damn impressive overclock. Let's see. Nine seventy gaming. Okay. That's well, what's kind of interesting about it is that uh, it really doesn't pull a whole lot more power than the stock 970, but it performs significantly better. Like at the uh, you know AMD R9 290X through a lot of games, uh, it is you know a base overclock that you have. I think the three levels that MSI allows stock gaming and extreme. I believe I can't remember yep. what the exact. So let's see here. Game. Observed FPS in uh, Metro at 25 by 14. So we are looking for the orange line compared to the black line, which is at just the stock clock. So that looks like a pretty beefy jump. Yeah. Well, he, he jumped it uh, like, 250 megs. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like, you'll, you're going to notice that. Yes. Uh, the RAM, he didn't get much, but already it's overclocked to 7 gigahertz. So... We haven't seen many of these cards that will hit that. But this one, I mean, when you're hitting and maintaining in-game 1578 megahertz, yeah, this is relatively impressive. Yeah, that's cool. And, I mean, I'm pretty sure even when he was doing those overclocking yeah. testing, this card was pretty much inaudible. I mean, it was pretty yeah. quiet. Oh, the CPU never went over, uh, or sorry, the GPU never went over 70 degrees. Yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, it's nice to see that because I'm toying with the idea of when I move to some form of a 970 or 980 in my home system, I'm trying to get away from the water. I don't want to have to do the water cooling. I just want to go back because to Because the- my friend, he had a nice thing where uh, it leaked on a sound card. 
No, not yeah. a sound card. I had a thing where it leaked into the power supply. <laughs> well, yep. And I, I, so I used to work on submarines, and there was always stories of fireballs being shot out of switchboards and actually chasing people down a passageway. And I never witnessed one of those myself. However, my power supply in my home system uh, shot a fireball out the back of it and across my kitchen. <laughs> um, yeah, never thought I would see that. Yep. And what's funny, what's really funny is I emptied the water out of that power supply and it ran for another week before it died. And that was a Corsair power supply. You, you, Those are good. You, you plugged it back in? I plugged it back in because I'm you? just a glutton for punishment. You just wanted to kill all of your components? I wanted to see more fireballs. I, oh, okay. I, I was enough. like, oh. I was hoping for it. And you still use it to arc weld to this day. And it's, oh. yeah. I don't remember. I don't know what I did with it. We could definitely arc weld with that. We really should. Well, not anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> At least not intentionally. No. Actually, I could tell you the 12-volt rail is like pretty much done in that guy. Um, <laughs> because that's what was failing. The system was actually still running, but hard drives were just randomly dropping out of my RAID. Um, and that's when I decided, you know, I just, I just need to change this power supply now. <laughs> Jeremy's dying over there. All right, so cool. Uh, well, the, 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 my big trouble with this, uh, it, the, to make the decision, it's really hard. The 970 is up there with the 290X. Right. Sometimes the 290 comes damn close. Now, the thing is that on a good deal, you're going to pay 350 bucks for the 970 uh, Amazon right now is almost $100 more than that. So 350 bucks is a good deal. The 290X can be had and it's the double D edition for 320 <laughs> after mail and rebate. Hmm. So you're already shaved a bit off the price. Uh, and if you shop around you're gonna be paying about three hundred bucks for them. That makes actually an interesting choice where you're looking at fifty to hundred dollars difference between essentially the same performing carts. This 970 when you overclock it does have a bit of an advantage over AMD's product and it also consumes significantly less power. The new coolers on the 290s make it no, about the same, maybe a little tiny bit quieter, but you're talking about an extra, I'm sorry, it's uh, almost 50 watts between a 290X and this 970. Yeah. It's, it's sort of an interesting choice. If, if you don't have quite as much money, you can get almost as good as this and multi-monitor support from AMD. On the other hand, if you're looking for something that is a little bit quieter, definitely runs cooler, and you can afford to pay the money, the 970 is sort of a compelling choice. But it's it's just this interesting battle between uh, you, what your wallet holds in it and what you're actually looking for. Yeah. That battle is actually pretty easy for me because my wallet doesn't hold anything. No. He just doesn't. He just doesn't get anything. No. Should have got one of those carbon fiber wallets. That really, what then it would really hold problems, nothing. Josh. That really doesn't hold anything. Yeah, Stay. yeah, but it'd be so You'd late. You'd be retired by it. now. <laughs> yes, Leave it, me alone. It holds nothing fabulously. Really does. Looks great doing it. Uh, next up is news. News, and we're going to kick off this news with 
some uh, hardware myths the, the last news story we ever need to run. The, the end all of all news stories, because, you know, we really just don't need to review processors and motherboards anymore after Sebastian just pulled the rug out from all this stuff. What are you going to do, Ken? Are you going to play this thing, or are we just going to talk about it? Uh, talk about it. Play the video on your window. You don't have audio, but we can... Oh, yeah. I, I'd skip to, like, the second shot. Yeah, we need to skip uh, We need to skip yeah. a little here. Let's it's pretty see good. here. It's pretty good. Let's find... Uh, yeah, so, Sebastian, uh, talk us through this here a little bit, if you would. Okay. Well, uh, obviously, you know how computer components work. Um, I'm pointing out the, the additional processors, you know, the video card slots on this board. It's not... Anything you don't know, you know, socketed processors, clearly. That's the greatest part of the entire thing, because the, the sound the processor makes <laughs> when you insert it is just awesome. You have to turn up the audio yeah, and you, get the full effect. You guys need to go on, well... You could unmute yeah. your laptop. You guys need to go on YouTube. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I, if, I don't have audio. I'm surprised you didn't directly. use a C-clamp here. Let, let's see, let's oh. see if I could uh, just crank the... Volume on this laptop, and maybe. No, no, but you gotta hear it because it's it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean those no, those see, pins. This is why I told you to go out and get the rubber mallet. It would have went in. Yeah, <coughs> they were shrieking. If pins could shriek in agony, um. Yeah, I mean, because you have when, the you, LGA when you combine grid. 754 pins with 775, that's the sound that it makes. Yeah, yeah. You should have made sure it was an even number, and it would have been fine. It would have. Yeah, that's that was a, that was the one mistake. But uh, just use steel wool if you're missing some pins. Yeah, that would work. Or, or you know, Maury has bent some pins. <laughs> Every, yeah. every motherboard we get from him. Every <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. How does he remove those? I, I, mean, I don't. God, does he use like a wood chisel? I, I really, I really out? don't know. But Jaws of life. It, it has it has gotten to the point where every motherboard that comes in now, uh, I put on. We have this little headset thing with magnifiers and the little thing that drops down. That's like another level of magnification and like a little light and stuff. And I put that on. Motherboard goes to my desk first. I pull off the little protector for the socket because it was protecting those bent pins, <laughs> and then um, I, I, you know, very carefully with an. You're exacto. missing the GPU installation. Well, that's I know, right? It's dual, man. SLI action. Oh, it's hybrid, man. No, it's a it's a Lucid Hydra. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sebastian, man, props to you for the most awesome video ever. And exposing all of these myths, because. It really is just green circuit boards and copper wire. And now we're really, out of jobs. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you start off with no knowledge of how the components work, I can really teach you from the bottom up, literally, from the PCB level, how these components are made and why they're all the same. Yeah. And maybe we can right. get a few more uh, thumbs down on one of the uh, <laughs> <laughs> least popular videos ever put on YouTube. It's, it's Which kinda, had almost as many thumbs down as views for like the first few hours, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, you usually don't see that kind of uh, response. Like there was a thousand views and like 500 thumbs up or down. It was crazy. Well, no, but th- those were all the industry executives trying to put you out of YouTube. 
Wake that must have you down for exposing yeah. all of the lies. That must have been it because we we were like the first people to watch that video in the office here, and it was Ryan, Ken, and myself just crying, laughing, like just oh my god, is he gonna? Oh, ah, no, no, yeah, it was pretty fun, and we were just like put a bow on that. That needs to go up, like immediately. But then the internet did the internet thing. Ah, uh, the internet. Ah, uh, the internet, yes. Uh, I was really... Hey, YouTube commenters nice. uh, are always so logical. YouTube, YouTube was not. Yeah, the YouTube, the YouTube gods were not favorable on us on that one. But, you know, hey, people are watching it. And I think uh, there was a... Uh, wasn't there a guy from Intel that pointed... Uh, yeah, Francois Link. Yeah, Francois from Intel. <laughs> Actually, excellent journalism there. Yes, yeah. it's yeah. proof. That's all proof. So are the same. Intel agreed. They were just like, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, the Intel processor is bigger, which I'm not going to say that means it's better, but it was bigger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's move on to some other news here. Uh, let's see. Far Cry Four does not support dual core processors. Is the budget landscape landscape shifting? I don't know, Sebastian. Is it? Uh, a little. I yeah. Mean, more and more of these games are going to be coming over, and they're going to essentially be ports. I mean, there's only so much uh, of this code base, I guess, to work with. So, you know, the Far Cry Four, uh, Dragon Age, Inquisition are basically coming over, expecting the same four core. Set up, I think that they have on the the consoles. So well, it's eight on the consoles, but yeah, okay. But the 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 days of the two core builds, those Pinium builds, like the anniversary and the the G thirty two. Well, the thirty two fifty eight anniversary. I don't remember the uh, the thirty two twenty. I think was the big one last year. Like the sixty dollars. Yeah, isn't isn't that great yet? that they released the anniversary edition just a couple of months ago? That really for sucks. those who wanted to overclock <laughs> and have a nice gaming machine. Let me throw you this game that requires four cores. So is it so much that it requires it, or just that it runs crappy? It literally requires it. Like it will not run. Yeah, people have reversed it, reversed the exe, yeah, taken away the check, and right? It will run, and it'll work, but it literally will not run on a dual core processor. Okay. Without what about hacking it? What about a uh, hyperthreaded? Hyperthreaded, yes, it'll that load. That works. Yes. Okay. So as long as it sees four active cores in Windows, I think it'll load. That is so hyperthreaded would work. We so like so four active Those threads. Those guys with the AMD triple threads, core yeah. processors, they're out of luck. Maybe it's, it's well. crazy. <laughs> I wonder if it's Ubisoft. That would be interesting to try. Yeah. I mean, that really is like this is the first like thing that I've seen. That just flat out requires four threads, right? Like even yeah. Oh no, you speak as if it requires. Well, it's just a silly check. Those threads. Uh, yeah, it's just it doesn't. Yeah. Like you could kind of see what they began to do. Like if you have a really crappy dual core processor, it's not going to run Far Cry well. But if you have one of these Pentium Anniversary editions, that probably runs it fine. Yeah. Once you disable the check. That's that's just kind of gets me. Like, what, what are they? You shouldn't have to hack the EXE to run the game you bought. Right, right. Like, there is a thing called context switching and multi-threading, and like, you know, the OS can handle having you know fewer number of threads or cores than the number of actual threads it's running, and it can juggle that, and it probably works. Like, it's only, that OS has only been doing that for for forever. I don't know. 
Anyway, there was a time where you only had like one core and what? one thread. What? Yeah, Ken's like he's in disbelief. Ken, Ken's too young to remember those he days. Doesn't, he doesn't believe yeah. me. Let's throw he up the does. task manager again for a second, Ken. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Wait for it. <laughs> wait, wait for it. Wait for it. As Ken looks at the streaming machine. Uh. Yep. Yeah, we've replaced that. Sebastian with the 40 threads. Yes. See, listen. See, Sebastian, Ken watched your video, and we had an awful lot of slots in the motherboard here, and he really took your advice to heart. And uh, we were and just... Look and at, look at the performance. Right. We were just yeah. plugging yeah. in everything that we had here uh, into what? all those slots, those processors. Yes. So I guess, right. I I mean, guess what this means is you should all go out and buy an AM1 system. Oh, sorry. One of those 25-watt, you know, <laughs> Athlon AM1 processors. And yeah. It's going to be perfect for gaming. It's got four cores. That's pretty much it, man. That's all you need. Yeah. Just find a motherboard with a lot of those slots on it. Be good to go. Man, Sebastian, you've been a machine this week. Here's the next piece. we got to keep them around. Yeah. I'm screwed if we let Sebastian go. Wow. All right. Uh, so, GeForce GTX 970 Direct CU Mini. Well, that's a small graphics card. Yeah, Asus has been uh, putting out a couple of these. I think the first one they had was the GTX 670 some years back. I think I reviewed it. <clears throat> Sorry if I'm taking over Sebastian, but No, go for it. Sometimes you just got to talk. So, uh, they've had other models as well. Uh, the 760. They went with a uh, what an R nine uh, two seventy as well. So the uh, the mini ITX form factors may not be popular, but they do fill a uh, a niche market, and they're moving along with the GTX nine seventy. Now, as uh, the the previous uh, review that we talked about, the MSI GTX nine seventy, it's a pretty power efficient card, and uh, it doesn't require a whole lot of juice. And so their design works very, very well with this particular chip. In fact, maybe a little bit better so than even the GTX 670 of years past. And it's going to provide you with a lot of performance in a very, very, very small package. Which is something I can not agree with. Um, anyway. Mm. <clears throat> it's okay. You don't have that many ports either. Yeah, that's, that's disappointing. Like the, 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 the backplate on that card, like they could have easily just done what the 980s do and had the triple display port and stuff like that but what what's it have on it it's got they, they did the same thing that this 970 here did that that is the default output configuration for a 970 i, I realize that yep. but you know that that chip can handle triple display port i mean you know it's yeah. a, a, th- a thing it can be done um it's just kind of disappointing like you see these guys are kind of pushing what a 970 can do and maybe even making it faster. Than you know, the, the guys are looking at the numbers. They they belong to the church at the bottom line. How many people have three monitors that will support DisplayPort? How many people even have one monitor that has DisplayPort connectivity? I got three monitors in front of me. Not a single one supports 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 DisplayPort. Gersperm. Gersperm. But you're all missing the. The best part about this card. What is it? Hopefully one day soon, we will see this in one of Mori's systems. That's true. Next to a big-ass cooler. Right, because look at how, I mean, it kind of makes and, this... And pins. Yeah, it makes this normal cooler <laughs> look. That's what's happening. He's putting, like, this, coming out with this 50-pound cooler. 
the cooler is actually bigger than that entire system right there. Right. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Like, he does that all the time. And even though the processor may be securely fit, I think just the sheer weight of what he attaches to it just is makes he putting it. the D15 on it now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. But he does it on boards like what's in this photo right here. And right, where it dwarfs the entire board. Right, yeah. It's just like, you know, hey, go hand me that, hand me that, uh, hand me that, uh, that board, would you? And you just grab the heat sink and just pick it up. Yoink. Yeah. And just the rest lift of it just with comes with it. your knees, not your back. That's true, yes. You gotta, you gotta make sure you lift with your knees. Team lift. <laughs> All right. Are we good on that one? Yes. Yeah. We beat the dead horse. Next up, Windows 10 will, and I insert, finally, uh, support many new codecs natively like what kind of codex oh we don't have scott on darn it like hvac <laughs> it's it's come on hevc is just badly named yes yeah, that's true <laughs> but it, it, h265 because we all usually refer to h264 thusly so it's going to have natural support for that flack for those audio files yep. and mkv nice and all i can say about this is like alan said Finally, mm-hmm. for crying out loud, Flack was just long, long overdue. Like they could have added that to something a long and time. There's ago. not a royalty for Flack. Nope, it is completely <laughs> open source. I Why mean, didn't they just do it? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe somebody in marketing was like, "Well, we want to kind of sort of push our own thing that we got in the back corner." Or actually, there was a lossless yeah, WMA. Yeah, there was a lossless Ugh. WMA that they were probably trying to just you know keep pushing. But come on, nobody uses that. And people were just, you know, Flack is pretty much the standard for lossless, as far as I understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. But cool. That's a good thing, right? We won't have to worry about that. Uh, maybe you might not even have to install any of those codec packs, like with the Windows 10 install. You might not even have to make that a thing. I mean, I haven't done that in a long time, but... Uh, I usually have oh, to I just for videos. I can remember spending hours finding codec packs. Oh, with Windows XP. And picking yeah. and choosing because, oh, this one, no, it's got known bugs. and oh. Right, right, yeah. And hopefully, this <sighs> just, you know, that that codec would... Pro- oh, and can it also do... um, What is it? Yeah, MKV support. Did we yeah. talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. MKV. Yeah. Basically, so, you don't need to install VLC as soon as you install Windows anymore. Right. I still would, but you don't I, have to. I will too. It's been so long since I've honestly tried to use Media Player that I have no idea like, yeah. if adding codec support makes it nice or not. Like, right. that'll be an once interesting I, experiment. Uh, once well, it got even, hard to find Media Player Classic, I just gave up on it. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a um, there's a newer version of that MPC HC. It's for home cinema that they came out with. That's the one that's like the currently updated and whatnot. Like they just kind of branched off the source uh, or forked the source for it and um, that's been pretty good like that's just what I'll use instead of anything else I will I will never use this the stock Windows media player that just never happens sorry first time I see that pop up on the system asking me do you want me to associate with everything and I say no no <laughs> go away uh, all right cool uh, I've still got a clippy on my office 2013. Uh, uh, yeah. No, that's spyware, Josh. That's yeah. Oh, that's, okay. <laughs> Always the North Koreans have already gotten to my computer. So next up, actually, the last news story for the week. Um, 
piece that I wrote, a little short editorial. Uh, and here's the gist of it. Uh, Intel announced 3D NAND, right? Jeremy, you actually did that news post um, when they initially did the announcement. Yeah. And then as you did that, totally stealing my thunder because I was actually busy working on this guy. <laughs> uh, but, I'm just wait. the guy outside slapping the cards. That's okay. To get, you, to get you to come in for That's the real okay. show. It's, you actually made me write my piece faster after I saw your post go up. I was like, dang it, Jeremy beat me to it. Um, but basically, I just sat down and I kind of did some math. Um, and I kind of made some assumptions uh, in that the type of 3D NAND that Intel is going to do is going to be very similar, um, very, very similar to the type of VNAND that Samsung has been putting in their past couple of generations of SSDs, uh, in that they basically uh, are able to etch the wafer in such a way where they, they, first of all, they're not using 20 nanometer process. This is more like closer to 40 or 50 nanometer. They're actually going backwards on the, the process itself as far as the detail of what they're etching. Uh, but they combine that with the ability to actually etch holes straight down into the wafer itself, which is pretty darn neat, I think, uh, of a thing that they're able to pull off. And then they actually coat those columns that they've etched down uh, from the inside out, and they create the channels within them. And when they do the original etching, they actually make 32 distinct layers, and then you, you end up having the effect of uh, the, the actual flash cells, the things that are actually holding the electrons and holding the ones and zeros, so to speak, uh, are just stacked up 32 layers high. Um, so you don't necessarily need 16 gigabytes all flat and spread out. You can have, you know, like, uh, or I should say 32 gigabytes for this. Uh, you can just have one gigabyte on one layer and then go 32 layers high, right? So kind of a different idea. Um, and uh, with that, I just did a bunch of kind of quick napkin math, cheating and using Excel, uh, and figuring out what the end result might be. And I say might because, again, lots of assumptions here. But the thing we've run into recently, uh, we did a 850 Pro roundup piece, capacity roundup piece recently. And we noticed that the smallest model can still saturate SATA on the right speeds. And they're able to pull that off because their NAND is faster. And they also uh, make their dyes a lower capacity. So instead of the usual 128 gigabit that a lot of people have been doing lately, they actually went backwards a little bit to an 86 gigabit. So when you combine all those things together from Samsung's standpoint, uh, the end result was that their SSD write speeds would be roughly three times the speed that they had used to be. So 128 gig Samsung drive used to be limited to around 150 meg per second on writes if it was just kind of 2D NAND put that three times multiplier in there. Now they're almost saturating SATA, right? Just under saturation. Um, so that same kind of thing kind of sort of is applied to Intel slash Micron flash memory, IMFT flash. Um, and it's applied to that for 20 nanometer and 16 nanometer in that if you have something as small as 128 gig SSD, uh, those dies being um, actually, what is the capacity on those? 16, right? Check my numbers, make sure I'm right here. Yeah, 16 gig, actually, here you go. 20 nanometer and 16 nanometer IMFT flash. 16 gigabytes of capacity. So if you figure that out and do the math, you only need eight dies within 128 gig SSD total, 
right? And those dies can only write at about 20 meg per second each. So what you end up, when you do all that math, you end up with the actual limit you see in the lowest capacity uh, drives using IMFT flash, which is around 150 meg per second. So if we apply all that same kind of math, you, you might think, oh yeah, well, you can, they're going to get that same three times improvement that Samsung saw. But that's not the case, maybe. And that's because they have chosen to increase the die capacity all the way up to uh, 256 gigabit, up from 128. So where Samsung went down by 50% in the, in the die capacity, meaning you had to have 50% more dies in an SSD, meaning you had more parallelism and faster writes, this might actually have the opposite effect. Uh, and when all is said and done, the effect of doubling that capacity kind of negates the uh, doubling of theoretical doubling of the write speeds. So a 128 gig uh, SSD with this new flash in it would only have four dies in it. So even though it might, each die might be going twice as fast, there's half as many still end up with around 150 meg per second. Now granted, that is totally a guess based on just that Intel's method of implementing that this technology is going to be the same as how Samsung did. They might do some other tricks. They might actually make it so that there are twice the number of buffers and like parallel pages that you can write uh, within each die that would give you like another doubling of speed that could happen but we don't know yet we're not going to know until we actually get these SSDs in our hands or see some kind of a leaked data sheet or something something some other piece of information to go on but all we have to go on for now is that they're upping it times two in capacity 256 gigabit and they're moving to 32 layer 3d NAND um the uh, the press conference that Intel had about this, they they weren't really pushing the speed of this. They never really brought that up. Uh, what they did bring up is they intend to be able to uh, crush the market on cost per gig. That's what their goal is, right? And you can fit much more capacity per die. That's you know you you get more efficient as far as uh, you know how much capacity per wafer you're able to squeeze out. Um, and hopefully really just drop the price even further. Um, a lot of people actually in the, in the comments on this one, and I think there was a couple of comments in, the, in Jeremy's post as well, um, talking about how Intel tends to be the most expensive. Um, and, and while that's true, the, in the past, they have actually been the guys that were undercutting everybody else on cost per gig and outperforming them at the same time. Like if you think all the way back to the X25M G2, uh, that guy came out, I don't remember what the exact cost per gig was, but it was basically cheaper than everybody else. It was one of those where the MSRP was like, okay, yeah, that's nice, that's the MSRP, but the demand is so high and the, and the you know, you, you, they're just getting ordered so quickly, the demand is so high and the, the supply was relatively limited uh, that, you know, the cost just ended up riding up to the cost per gig to match everybody else, which was much higher at the time. Eventually it came down, but I would argue that, like, Intel SSDs at the very beginning were the ones kind of dragging that cost per gig down uh, and forcing everybody else to to be able to just make their drives cheaper. Uh, and maybe this will mean that they do it again. I hope so. Like, I want to see... What was Ryan's... What was Ryan saying a couple weeks ago? What does he want to see? 20 cents per gig? I don't know. Something. Probably like 5, five cents. It's probably down to 5 cents, cents a gig, gig now. 20. He, he wants to see it match hard drives, probably. Um <laughs> Honestly, so do I, because, you know, I wouldn't mind, like, a few terabytes of SSDs just sitting in my RAID at home. My 8-plus drive RAID. Which Spoken is like a true addict. Won't even admit to how many. 
because the next project is supposed to have 48. I'm sorry. I would call that a large raid. No? Nobody's with me? I think pretty much everybody would call that a large raid. So. That'd be a large raid. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. All right, so that is that. What do we got left? Picks of the week. And there's no Ryan because he's gone. He, f- he fell off the coast. Uh, so, speaking of Intel SSDs, my pick of the week. Shocking. Is this, yes, it is a new egg uh, shell shocker deal. Um, look at the prices. Oh man, I scroll up to the top. They should come out with a black anodized 730. That looks pretty sweet. They should. That does with look LED pretty lights, cool. do that. Yeah. Blue LEDs in it? They, they should do that. I thought they should have put an LED behind, uh, like, and actually etched out the Intel logo or something, or etched out the skull. Yeah. And make the it skull. so that when the drive is active, the skull, like, flashes. That would have been phenomenal, right? Like, I should just take my 730 to, a, like, a water etcher, <laughs> water jet guy and have him do that. Do it. I will do it. Um, so, 730s, for those that don't know, Intel 730 SSDs are what started life as their enterprise SSD. Then they overclocked the controller. They're still using the enterprise-grade flash memory. Uh, So, yeah, you basically have a fire-breathing enterprise SSD that repackages consumer, and now they're selling 240 gig for 110 bucks and 480 gig for 200 bucks. That's cheap at half the price. That is really, really cheap. That's... And this is Intel's own controller on this? Up here in Canada. That's, that's, that's pretty good. So, I mean, if you're shopping for an SSD, and I hope you listen to this podcast as soon as it came out, because the deal might actually be over. I think it's only like a 24-hour deal, and we're already a few hours into it. Um, but, I, yeah. I think you'll be able to find this deal again in the next month. If I had to, Maybe. If I had to take a guess about how <laughs> components in Black Friday and holiday pricing work. That, that's true. That's Keep true. an eye out. But this is definitely the low end. That you're going to find this particular drive for. Um, yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, Buy two. N- maybe? Yeah. I don't know. It's not my money. Buy two. I mean, so you'd only have to pay like an extra 20 bucks to do it, but you could do a raid of a pair of these. And actually, these are pretty much the best drives to put in a raid uh, because raids are very sensitive to um, per IO latency. In other words, if an SSD has a little bit of a spike in latency during a particular I.O., if it's in a RAID, that spike translates across the whole RAID. So it's as if all of the drives hiccuped when the, when the one SSD does a split-second hiccup. So if you tend to use kind of cheaper drives, which is kind of sort of the mantra of doing a RAID, like multiple drives that are cheaper, um, but if you do that and you really go low-grade on the SSDs, you're, get, you're actually getting much, much less performance because that that any kind of a stutter or a micro stutter multiplies out across the whole raid and slows the whole thing down. Um, it makes your monitor brighter. Um, <laughs> yeah, that too. Make your monitor brighter for longer, right? No. Um, in that case. Uh, but these, since they came from that enterprise pedigree and those, the enterprise drives that these uh, descended from were specifically engineered, like their firmware was designed around arrays and being in arrays and having very low per I.O. latency for every single I.O., like 100% of them pretty much. Um, yeah, so good stuff. If you're going to make a RAID 0 of 
SSDs. These are probably the ones to do it with. Next up, Jeremy. I just sort of staggered across this during my incredibly bad day, which involved a server outage at the same time a fire alarm was going off. So I needed a little decompression time, and I can't believe that I'd never heard about this before. And unfortunately, uh, if you're celiac, you probably shouldn't play this game. But for the rest of us, uh, it's a bizarre mixture between Quop and Katamare. You, you control the four corners of the toast. That is how the toast is walking, is you are controlling the four corners. You're guaranteed to be crying in frustration, trying to figure out how to walk. At the same time, you're giggling in laughter from the fact that you are a piece of toast. Or, well, sorry, you're a piece of bread trying to become a piece of toast. Huh. Is there a toaster in this game? One should hope so, because otherwise the whole quest is in vain. <laughs> huh. And there's a backstory of a guy at a psychiatrist's office who's convinced that people are breaking into his home and bashing up the place without ever opening the door. So I think there's going to be a bit of twisted humor to it as well, because, you know, guys that would design a game called I Am Bread obviously don't have a twisted sense of humor. No, not at all. It's on sale right now. It is ten bu- It's not even 10 bucks. It's oh. $9.34. There is... Oh, it won't let me go back. Look, <laughs> it's toasting. There's a hairdryer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's just sad toast. <laughs> that is quite sad toast. It is. It's very sad toast. So if was, you've played enough Goat Simulator, uh, have Toast Simulator. <laughs> when, when I yeah. saw the title, all I could think was, uh, I am Groot, for some reason. I, but I I'm imagining that these guys have I never am, seen I that movie. Bread. I have no idea. I am bread. Sweet. Next up, Josh. Hey. Yes. Uh, you know what? It seems like these things are pretty cheap right now. I usually go for ninety nine ninety nine. Ninety nine. With exactly, I'd say that with a little bit more enthusiasm. But you know, it is late, and the podcast has gone on longer than expected. But the uh, Corsair three hundred R carbide series, very very nice case. Uh, you can get it for twenty to thirty bucks off, depending on where you shop. We would love to see you shop through Amazon and the PC Per, but still, I use this as one of the test cases, uh, namely for AM3 Plus processing, uh, processor testing, and motherboards. Uh, have a liquid cooler installed in that one, and it's nice. It's nice, roomy, lots of good cable management. Is it perfect? No, but you know, for the price, it's nice. Sweet. Yeah, that is yeah. pretty. That is pretty low cost for a case. For any case, really. Awesome. Yes. Sixty nine bucks. Yeah. Sixty nine ninety nine. That's NZXT. Price. Which is like three people and one person. Never mind. <laughs> Actually, you can get the windowed version of that case for 87 Ooh. So if you really want a window, that's still pretty cheap for a case with a window. I mean, you can even fit a couple of extra fans in there if you get the window because they're uh, they got fan mounts on them. That's yeah. Pretty cool. All right, next up, Sebastian, it's all you. All right, well, I did not prepare for this, so I was grasping for things around me on the desk. As we all do. The, uh, Nexus 6. 
there's a camera. <laughs> yeah, the other the other way, Sebastian. Yes. So this is a the new flagship uh, Google Play edition, basically the pure Google experience smartphone. Replaces the Nexus 5, which is now suspiciously, I don't know, they're not admitting that it's discontinued, but you can't find it on their store. So 6-inch, and it has an OLED display, and I was very hesitant to pick it up because of that initially, but it's the only OLED I've actually ever personally seen or used that's calibrated reasonably well, and it does not have that really green cast to it. And... It's not the most realistic, but it's it's very close to an IPS, and it's just ridiculous contrast. And just of course, it's OLED, so the blacks are just you know off basically. But very very nice phone. At first, I thought it was going to be too big, but you know I've got to say, six inches is the right size. Doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. It's kind of it hard to hold. It gets the job done, doesn't it? You know, it, it takes. I, I started off with a five. I was using. Are this, you sure uh, Moto it's not G. a five point four inch? Phone. Right, and then eventually, I think I was ready. I'd, I'd finally gotten to the point where I could, I could actually manage the take, six to yeah. handle the six, huh? Yeah, it, it didn't. It felt wrong at first, and then after a while, it started to feel right. <laughs> so you couldn't go back, could you? I it would, it just like this. The five just falls out of my hand now. Oh, it's, it just feels it feels loose and awkward, flaccid, and yeah. It's like I just have a case in my pocket with no phone. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. It's good to be prepared, but not much fun. No. All right, so I guess that about wraps it up. Uh, for anybody that wants to see the show notes and find all the links to all of the things that we talked about today, uh, you can find them at pcpro.com slash podcast. That's where we list all of our podcast show notes, videos from the podcast. It's a nice handy-dandy list in case you just want to get it off of the website versus off of a uh, RSS feed. Uh also, again, I will plug the Ryan Shroud at Ryan Shroud on Twitter or at PC Per to get kind of the general everything that we come out with throughout the week. And uh, that's about it, guys. Right? I got none. Josh got none? Got none. Jeremy got none? He's, it's all right. I know nothing. Yeah, he's got none. Sebastian's got I his know nothing. Sebastian's got his six inches. Yeah, I've already said too much. I have no more. He's he's happy? He's already holding it again. All right, well, that does it. I'm Alan Malmontano. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I am Joshua Walrath. I am Sebastian Peak. Thanks for tolerating us, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Good night.